Shem, and if I were you, I'd be a little bit sad because everything sounds so much cooler in an English accent, right? <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I have a boring American accent. Um, and actually, Pastor John is going to start a new series, and he actually asked me to kick off the new series. It's called um, Taking Stock. It's taking a survey of Scripture and examining our lives and seeing how we ought to live and how are we living. And today is the first in this series where I'll be talking about the heart of giving. It's not a topic that churches like to talk a lot about. And, and I thought even before I share a little bit, I should at least introduce myself. So I'm, I'm Bernie Shim. I've been attending Na- Nations Church for about one year, a little over a year, with my beautiful wife. She's in the praise band, Eugen, and I have three lovely children that are very opinionated and very rambunctious. And um, I'm going to, you know, warn you in advance, if you hear some noise, it's probably the Shim children. So uh, please be gracious. Do you want to share a, little, a few announcements? Uh, today is the last day for anyone that wants to lead a focus group. I strongly suggest those of you that are interested in leading a group, it's, it's great. I, I've, I've led two focus groups in the past year, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. The marketing for focus group will begin on uh, Sunday the 15th and the 22nd, and the new term will begin on the 29th. So please, please uh, join a focus group. Amen? Amen. Uh, please remember the growth track. Uh, you, know, you can go to the back for more information. It starts next week. It's four consecutive weeks. I took it. I learned a lot about, about the Lord, about this church, about how I ought to live. And so please sign up for that. It'll be 1.30 to 3.30. And just the last announcement, a really important announcement. Actually, there's two, two announcements. Um, you know, we obviously have a gracious host in GSIS. They're, they've been such a blessing to us. And we really need to pray for GSIS and, and ask that God will bless them as they're such a blessing to us. And so let's continue to pray for them, especially the leadership and, and our relationship with them. And so let's be gracious guests to our gracious hosts. And as they are believers, and we are, and we, we serve the same God, let's continue to share our hearts and, and, and lift up prayers for, for GSIS. And lastly, it's a really exciting announcement. It's about 14 days of prayer. And this will start the Saturday, uh, the 14th of January. It's going to start with our normal praise and prayer evening. There will be prayer bases all throughout the areas that you can sign up for and, and, and attend a prayer meeting and really start off the new year right. We're going to give you more information about this. For those of you that are interested in leading one of these prayer groups, there will be an information meeting next Sunday at 1.30 p.m. where you can lead a prayer group and strongly encourage anyone to do so. And so we really want to start off this year, and as, as, as actually our sister Pam prayed, that we will commit this year to the Lord. And what a wonderful way to do that than, uh, than to pray and, and devote ourselves to Him. So as I mentioned before, I'm Bernie Shim, and... Uh, I'm a finance guy. I'm not a pastor. I, I studied accounting. Uh, and, and for the past 13, 14 years, all I've been doing was working in finance. And my first job, actually, was as an auditor. And this is where I'd go to companies, and I'd look at their balance sheet. I'd look at their income statement. I'd see how they're spending their money. And you know what I realized working there for many years? That you could tell a lot about a company and how they spend their money. You can't tell that much by how much money they have, but you can tell a lot by how they spend it. How much do they pay their people? How much do they spend in advertising? How much do they spend in R&D? Or how much do they spend in lawsuits or fines? And I realized, quickly realized, that people are the same way. 
that we could tell a lot about ourselves, about each other, and how we spend our money. And I think this is a very important topic for us to talk about, of how do we give and what is our heart of giving. I, um, I think it's a critical area that the Bible speaks a lot about. If you think about it, Scripture talks more about money or allusions to wealth, more than prayer, more than heaven or hell, more than virtually any other topic. So I think it's an important topic for God, and thus it's an important topic for us. Amen? All right, so let's, let's open up in a word of prayer, if you'll just join me. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this privilege of starting off this new year, very first day of the new year, in worship and in devotion to you, Lord. And I pray that you'll open our eyes and make our hearts like the good soil that not only hears your word, but puts your word into practice. May we build a foundation on rock, the solid rock of your word, Lord. May you be with our hearts, moving, uh, sending your spirit in our lives, Lord, to make a difference in this world and to love you more, Lord. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give a disclaimer that we'll be talking about the very topic of tithing and giving. And, and let me just tell you, my end goal is not to make you feel guilty. My end goal is not even for you to give more to this church. Actually, my end goal, along with any other sermon or preacher, is for you to love Christ more. And I think we want to talk a little bit about what tithing and, and giving is. And let me just make one more thing. For those of you that are visitors, those of you that have come here for the first time and are not a member of this church... Or for those of you that have yet to give your life to Christ, this message probably isn't applicable to you. This really is towards those of us that have committed our lives to Christ. So tithing, before I talk about what tithing is, let me talk about what tithing is not. What tithing is not. The first thing is that tithing is not a source of righteousness. It is not a source of righteousness. Luke chapter 18, verse 11 and 12 says, The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And obviously when Jesus was talking about this Pharisee who was tithing, giving one-tenth of his income to the Lord, he was not applauding him and saying this is a righteous man who's actually just the opposite. I think it's somehow easy to think that if we give to God, God is happy just by the gift itself, that somehow giving to the Lord makes us more appealing to him. And that is not true. I want to talk a little bit about a sensitive topic within the Korean church. I think I can speak to it because my whole life I attended the Korean church. Even in America, I attended a Korean church. So for over 30 years, I've been attending a Korean church. This is actually my first non-Korean church I'm attending in, in Korea. And I think in the Korean church, it's a very common thing. It's never overtly taught, but it's very easy to somehow think this works righteousness. And I think that's a danger that we all can fall into. The second thing of what tithing is not is that tithing is not a lifeline to maintain his church. God doesn't pace back and forth and say, oh my gosh, what are we going to do, Jesus? People aren't giving to the church. What's going to happen to my church? He doesn't worry about those things. He doesn't need our money. God is actually the only self-sufficient being in this entire universe. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock 
I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You have the full faith and backing and guarantee of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God. I mean, everything in heaven is backing this church, and this church doesn't need our finances or our funds. I'm a finance director at this company that Caterpillar, Caterpillar is a large corporation. They bought this company in Korea, and they sent me here to do the finance. And um, my job is pretty stressful. I have to worry about incoming money and outgoing money. I have to worry about um, do we borrow from the bank? How much inventory should we buy? How are we going to make payroll? It's a stressful job, okay? And um, I worry a lot. I know good Christians aren't supposed to worry, but I'm not a good Christian, and so I worry a lot. I worry about my job, about this company, how are we going to make you know, the ends meet. But I'll tell you, I've never once worried about Nation's Church and our finances. Because this church belongs to the Lord. Amen? Amen. I actually have more concerns over Caterpillar, who makes $60 billion a year. I have more concerns about Caterpillar's finances than I do about this church. I have more concerns about the U.S. economy that's $15 trillion than I do about this church because the church is backed by God. If, If the church issued stock, I would buy it. Third thing that tithing is not. It is not a short-term investment scheme. Nothing irks me more as a Christian when people take a singular verse and they make a whole theology out of it, taking that verse out of context. A common verse that I've heard people preach about is 2 Corinthians 9.6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I've heard pastors and preachers speak on this verse, and, and, and it hurts me when, when they say things like, you give money to God, and he will give more money back to you. I don't find that anywhere in Scripture. I think that's a misrepresentation of what God is saying. I, I don't know about you, but in the Bible I read, the apostles didn't win the lottery at the end of their lives. The widow who gave the two coins didn't come home, and all of her debts were paid. If anything, I mean, there are times that God blesses us with material blessings. And there's times that he blesses us with poverty. My father, his entire life, pretty much worked at a dry cleaners. And five, six years ago, I was talking to my father, and he said, You know, Bernie, I'm so thankful God hasn't blessed me with a lot of material blessings. And I said, Why not? That's very opposite of what you hear. And he said, Because I know my heart. And if I were a rich man... I don't know if I depend on God. I don't know if I could do that if I have that strong faith. And I'm thankful for the difficulties of my life because it forces me to depend on God. So for anyone that thinks that if you give to God, he promises a reward in material blessings 30, 60, 100 fold, that, that is not true. Tithing, giving to the church is not a short-term investment scheme. Now, I do want to say there are long-term benefits, right? That uh, Mark 9.41 says, Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. There is a teaching that if we give material blessings, if we in faith give to the Lord and give to his people and give out of the generosity of his heart that God remembers 
He may not pay us back in this side of heaven, but he will in the next. That even if we give a cup of water in his name, he remembers. I'm a finance guy. Every day I have to worry about where do we put Caterpillar's money? What investment do we make? And I don't know about you, but there's no better investment than the heavenly reward where moth, thieves, and rust cannot destroy. Let me share with you a quick story. There's a, there's a faraway island, and every 10 years they vote for a king. And this king that's voted has absolute power. This guy can do anything and everything he wants. But there's a catch. After the 10 years are up, he's banished to an abandoned neighboring island where he has to live there for the rest of his life, and he dies in starvation. So how many of you guys would take up that offer? So one time there was a king that was elected, and he had 10 years of absolute authority. So you know what this king did? All of his loyal subjects, he sent them for 10 years to that abandoned island. To make that abandoned island a paradise. He sent farm animals and irrigated the land, created rivers, built him a mansion, built him quarters and all these different things. So that when his 10 years were up and he was banished, he could live really like a king. And there's some strong analogies there that when we give... In this short lifetime of ours, that there is a heavenly, eternal award waiting for us. Now that is biblical, but not this short-term investment stuff. Amen? So now let's talk about what tithing and giving, what it is. First, it's an overflow of our love for God. You see, some people may give to the Lord and his work to stir God to action. Lord, in faith, I'm giving you $10, and so I want you to give me back $100. While some may give in order to receive, we give because we received. Deuteronomy 26, 8 through 10, this is one of the first allusions to tithing and giving to the Lord. It says, So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. You see that? That that the people of Israel saw the miraculous wonders of God, how they brought them out of slavery, out of Egypt, and gave them a land flowing of milk and honey, and because of what they received, they give the first fruits. Now some of you may say, Bernie, I haven't seen those miraculous things in my life. Maybe our hearts aren't that thankful, and that's why we don't give. Because we don't have an overflow in our lives, that we don't see these miraculous things that the Israelites have seen. Came across this devotion. It's called The Miracle of Daily Life, and this is just an excerpt. It says, We are amazed at the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine, but he performs the same miracle every year in vines. A dead man rose again, and people marvel. By contrast, numerous babies are born every day, and no one marvels. 
If only we would reflect upon life more carefully, we would come to see that there is a greater miracle for a child to be given existence who before did not exist than for a man to come back to life who had already existed. People hold cheap what they see every day of their lives, but suddenly when confronted by extraordinary events, they are dumbfounded, though such events are truly no more wonderful than the others. Governing the universe, for example, is a greater miracle than feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread. But no one marvels at that. Who is even now providing nourishment for the whole world, if not the God who creates a field of wheat from a few seeds? We do not marvel at this simply because it happens each year. Familiarity has dulled our capacity for wonder. You see, people of God, we have plenty to be thankful of. If we can see, if we can taste, if we can stand, if we can walk, if we can laugh, if Christ is our Savior, if we have friends, if we have family, we have much to marvel about. We have much reason to give to the Lord, for He has blessed us. The second thing I believe that tithing and giving is, is it's an acknowledgement that everything belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's easier for me to give my tithe when I know it's not really my tithe. You know what I mean? Um, Let me tell you a story. My youngest son is two years old. His name is Colin, and he is a handful. You know, I marvel at him all the time. See, with my daughters, when they were two, their thought process, you know, when they would have a tantrum, it would be like this. There'd be a desire. They'd ask for it. They'd be rejected. They'd ask for it again, be rejected again, and then there's a tantrum and screaming and yelling. For my son, he skips all those steps. There's a desire and then screaming and yelling right there. He's, he's advanced, okay? Just goes from desire to screaming and yelling right there. Okay, And one thing he doesn't do very well, and I love him so, but he doesn't like sharing. He especially doesn't like sharing peppero sticks. It's those like pretzel things with a chocolate around there. So whenever he has a box of pepperos, right, I always ask him for one. Not because I really want one. Well, I do. They are, they're really good, actually. But... Clearly, I could buy 10 boxes of pepero myself. But I asked my son, Colin, can daddy have one? And more often than not, he says no. Okay? And my reaction is, do you know who I am? I own you, Colin. Those pepperos belong to me. I bought them for you. I can whip up my wallet and buy 100 more if I wanted to. I own everything you touch, Colin. Give me those pepperos. And for some reason, that logic just doesn't work with my two-year-old son, and he just says no, and I can't do anything about it. And I feel like Malachi, when God is pleading, Oh, Colin, if only you would give me your pepero, how I would open up the gates of pepero for you. How other children would call you blessed with pepero. And you would be a land flowing of pepperos. 
When God asks us, actually tells us to give to him, and it's an, an acknowledgement that everything belongs to him. You see, when I ask Colin or when any parent asks their toddler, can mommy have some? Can daddy have some? They don't really want it. They don't need it. But they want to teach their children that whatever you hold on to, hold on to it loosely. Learn to share. Give to others. Give to your sisters and brothers. Give to me. Not because I need it, but for your sake, not for mine. And so that when we do, do give to the Lord every paycheck, when I get my money and I take out the portion that I give back to the Lord in terms of tithing and gifts, it's an acknowledgement that, Lord, this all belongs to you. Lastly, when we give, it's an expression of our dependence on God. Psalm 25.1, it says, In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You know, when I grew up, my father, I said, owned a dry cleaners. It's uh, tough work there. I, I had to work there every summer. It's hot. It's mundane. You work your tail off for 20 cents on cleaning a shirt, you know, Oh, it's tough. It's a tough job. It's, and when the economy gets tough, it's tough too. Because dry cleaning is generally uh, a luxury. You don't have to do it, right? And so there are some times when cleaners did really well. Bernie got some new toys. There's times when the cleaners didn't do very well. And it was tough. There's, there's a lot of memories I have. I remember um, my, my brother wanted uh, drumsticks. And so my dad would buy wings and give him a piece and said, this is a baby drumstick, just so we can make a few chicken last a little bit long, you know, longer with the family. And times were tough. And growing up, with my father owning a dry cleaner, I, I, I said to myself, I never want to work for a small company. I don't want to work for myself. So I made true to that promise. When I decided to work, I worked for very large corporations. You know, the four companies I work for, they make billions, like GE and Caterpillar, large companies, Right? Because I felt a strong sense of security that my paycheck would come from a big company like that. And so that's what I did. I worked for big companies because that's where I want to put my trust in. Well, there's times that I didn't have a job. There's times when Caterpillar was going through a recession and they were letting people off. And I'll be honest, there's times I really struggled. Lord, I don't know if I can give this month. I don't know if I have a job next week. But I did. And I share this not because I'm some holy Christian, I'm not. But for me, it was an expression of my dependence on God. That companies come and go, governments go and go, come and go. But God will stay here forever. And that I choose to place my trust in God. Not in a company, not in a government, not in my own abilities. And why do I trust in God? Because God is big. Because God is trustworthy. He's powerful. Amen? Let me illustrate this with you. You know about stars, right? There's two things about stars. Stars are big and there's lots of stars. Okay? Now now stay with me here a little bit. 
Let me tell you how big a star is. The sun, as we all know, is probably a medium-sized star. The sun's diameter is 864,000 miles. It's about 10 times larger than the planet Jupiter. It's about 109 times bigger than Earth. The volume of the sun is 1.3 million times bigger than the Earth. So in other words, 1.3 million Earths could fit in our sun. If the sun was a basketball, our Earth would be the size of a pinhead. But our sun is considered a yellow dwarf. And the largest stars are blue giants, and they are 2,000 times bigger than our star. Pretty big star, huh? Now, how many stars are there? Well, the sun belongs to a galaxy called the Milky Way. Astronomers estimate that there's about 100,000 million stars in this Milky Way alone. But outside this Milky Way, there are millions upon millions of other galaxies. So stars are really big, and there's also a lot of stars. Now here's the cool part. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 16, it says, And God also made the stars. Just like that. This huge thing. Billions and billions and trillions and trillions. And summed up in a few words. And God made the stars also. A God that big is dependable. Amen? That powerful. That awesome. He's worthy of our dependence. He's worthy for for him to receive all the trust that we have. Not in any man. Not in any institution. And when I give. When I give. It's saying, Lord, I trust you to take care of my family. Not me. And, And I'll tell you. It was a lot easier to give when I was single. It's tougher to give when I have three children. And, and there was a time, actually when I was in college, I, I didn't give. It was, just, it was just too hard. You know, I remember one time in particular, all I could give to God was, was one dollar. You know? And every week I would wake up early in that morning, I'd take my dollar and put it in an envelope, and, uh, and I remember one particular, I was, I was actually crying, saying, Lord, this is so little. I don't even have much to give, but it's yours. And, and, and I think that those types of lessons that God has taught me has allowed me to build up my faith and to really depend on him. But it's tough, and I acknowledge that. But God is dependable. I want to finish off with just some practical things here of how we should give. And we should give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, we just had Christmas last week, and I'm sure there's a lot of gift giving that happens. And you know, this sounds very cliche but I'm sure we've all heard that it's not really what we give, but how we give, right? What our attitudes and our hearts are. You know, being married, usually had the choice of a large, expensive gift that had really no heart behind it, or a sense of duty or obligation versus something small that I might have made that she would have preferred the latter. That's true with my children. When they give me gifts, and I hope they're not listening, it's not that you know, expensive, 
but it touches my heart because they give it with such joy. Daddy, look at this picture I made you. Wow, thank you so much. And I take it to work, show it off to my friends, not because there's a lot of resale value to it, but because the heart that they gave it. Isn't God the same way? That when we give, we ought to give cheerfully. Now, what if we're not cheerful? Should we not give? Well, let me ask you this. When we don't feel like praying, should we not pray? When we don't feel like coming to church, should we not come to church? When I don't feel like loving my wife or loving my children, should I not? We still do. It's an act of faith. But obviously, we, we ought to do it considering all that God had given us, considering all the things he's done in our lives. We should really be able to give cheerfully if we have that right perspective in mind. Now, this last practical point could be a little controversial here, and, but I, I feel very strongly about this, that we, when we give, we should give to our local church, which means Nations Church. For, for those of you that come here regularly, this is the church you should give to. Now, let me tell you a little bit about myself here. When I moved... From Korea, I was born here. I moved to the U.S. when I was five. Is a church, Calvary Church, that I've been going to since I was five years old. I've been attending that church for 30 years. At that church, I went from fifth, you know, five years old through the entire elementary program, through junior high. I went to all the retreats, winter retreats, summer retreats. I got saved there, right? Um, I got married there. You know, my, usually I got married there. Our children got baptized there. I served as a youth pastor there for six years. I mean, when people ask me about my home church, it is a nation's church. I think of that church. I do. That's a church I've been going to for 30 years. And I've only been here for about a year. If there's allegiance or if Pastor John and Pastor Michael there got into a fight, I'd, I'd have a real tough time, you know? I mean, but, and I, I think of these weird things. But, but man, it's, it's, that's my home church. But I'll tell you, when my family and I decided that we'll be attending nations, then our giving, our giving, 100% goes here. Now, God can move my heart and I can give to other ministries. I can give, give to that other church above and beyond. But this is where, this is where we give. This is where we give. And, and it's tough. I know that a lot of us here may not say that this is a church we're going to live and die with. You know, there are some of us that are transient. Some of us knowingly have come here only for a year or two. And my company has sent me with the express intention of going back to America. You know? So I had that struggle too. Maybe my home church, they're having some difficulties. Maybe I'll just send it there. But no. The local church that you attend is where you ought to give. <clears throat> I want to conclude with a few thoughts here. That verse that I shared is actually Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthians, saying, 2 Corinthians 12, 14, Now I am ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you, because what I want is not your possessions, but you. And rather than explaining it to you and giving you some illustrations, I want to show you a video. I interviewed my eldest daughter, Ashley. 
And I asked her a few questions. And I hope the sound works, okay? But basically what I'm asking her is, would you rather have daddy or the gifts that daddy can bring, okay? So I was on edge. There's no script. We had no rehearsals. You know, this is one time my iPhone was up. I asked these questions and, and I stopped it. And I'll let you listen. And so if we can play that video here. Not you? Well, sometimes. Sometimes, okay. Do you like it when Daddy goes to work? No, because you could be lazy, but now you don't. Okay, but when Daddy goes to work, I make money, right? Yes, so you can buy stuff for us. Okay, now let me ask you a good question, Ashley, okay? Would you rather Daddy go to work and buy you stuff, or would you rather he stay home with you and play with you? Colin, you want daddy or you want nice things? You want daddy? Okay. Okay. We caught Colin on a good day. <clears throat> it's a simple illustration, right? Most six-year-olds would say that. I'd rather have daddy than the things that daddy can bring. And I hope I don't offend anybody here, but I wonder if that's also the heart of God. I don't want your things. I want you. I want your heart. I want your life. I want your successes, your failures, your joys, your sadness, your defeats, your triumphs. I just want you. And like I said before, that this isn't a message about you giving more to Nations Church. It's not about a pledge where you raise your hand and stand and say, I will give one-tenth of my income to the Lord because that's what He wants, because that's not what He wants. What He wants is your heart. Now, as that finance guy, a lot of times our heart follows our wallet. It's an expression of our heart. It's an expression of what we desire, of what we invest in, what we believe in. And so I challenge you, Nations Church, to give to have a generous heart, a thankful heart, a heart that acknowledges that everything belongs to him, a heart that acknowledges that rather than trusting in man or in companies or in governments, I choose to trust in the Lord, and that is why I give. Now I'll close with one last thought. Some of you, astute Bible scholars, may say, Bernie, wait a minute. God spoke a lot about tithing in the Old Testament, but he doesn't speak a lot about it in the New Testament. And you're right. He doesn't. It's not as strongly enforced in the New Testament than it is in the Old Testament. So what does the New Testament say about it? In Luke 3.11, He who has two coats, let him share with him who has none. And he has food, let him do likewise. That's 50%, not, 100, not 10 Zacchaeus stood and said, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. That's 50%. Luke said to the rich young man, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. You will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. That's 100%. So therefore, whoever you does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's 100%. A man said to him, I will follow you wherever I go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. 
All who believed were together and had all things in common. They had sold their possessions and goods and distributed to them as he had need. There is not a needy person among them, for as many were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold to the apostles' feet. In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty had overflowed in a wealth of liberality on their part. They gave according to their means and beyond their means. The best that we know how to capture the spirit of New Testament generosity is this. Not how much must I give, but how much dare I keep. Because everything belongs to the Lord. So if you want to daja, if you want to nitpick, probably not a good idea to try to argue why I only need to give this little percentage. Because God wants everything. He wants our whole hearts. Let's pray. I um, recognize that It's my first time up here, and I speak pretty boldly, not because these are my opinions, but I feel strong that this is what the Word of God says. And I don't know if there are some of us here that feel uncomfortable, that feel, you know, pushed. That isn't my intention. And in a short time, we'll have a time of offering, and this isn't the, you know, this isn't for any other reason than to give us an opportunity to give to the Lord. And I just ask you, to really survey, survey our hearts, and to really see who do we place our trust in. Is it man? Is it God? Is it our abilities, or is it the provisions that He's provided? And for those of us that may be struggling, think back upon your life. Put God to the test in that. Consider your life and see how good He's been to you. Has He ever let you down? Have you ever seen a sparrow on the ground that died of starvation? Have you ever seen a lily that was stripped of its beauty? Oh, how much more precious we are than sparrows, than lilies. And if we would just give up our pepero sticks, if we would just acknowledge to our Father in heaven that He gives us all things and that it's a privilege. For us to give cheerfully within our means and dare I say above our means because God has never let us down because we can never outgive God. Nations Church, I want to speak on this topic because I have no vested interest in what you give. <clears throat> I take no salary, I get no benefits. except for the benefit of seeing a people of God that trusts in Him, that devotes their life to Him, and says, Lord, everything that I have belongs to You. And this small portion, though You don't need it, I give it willingly because I need to give it. I need to remind myself that this belongs to You. Again, God doesn't want our possessions any more than Ashley wants more things. She wants her daddy. God wants you. So during this time of offering, maybe in our hearts, we can make a commitment to say, Lord, I choose to give. I take a survey of my life. 
And I freely give because you have given to me so much more than I could ever, ever offer you. So let's have this time of offering, sing a song of dedication, and devote this time to the Lord.